So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Episode 109, coming at your earballs this evening. Jake, my co-host with the most, how are you doing tonight? Good. Now that I have a beverage in my hand, I know you are feeling a similar type of way, even more so. In regards to how this week has progressed so far, so yeah, and it's nice only Tuesday. To chat with you. <laughs> yes. It's only goddamn Tuesday, but we're here and we're doing our thing with beverages in hand, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. It's always good to hash it up and have a mental break talking fantasy football. I mean, there really is nothing better. Let's be honest. Um, but before we get into tonight with our episode, we are talking sleepers and busts. Uh, which which is going to be a lot of fun. We're getting into our, our favorite series of episodes here where uh, this week with our sleepers and busts, I think next week we've got our bold predictions, uh, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, we've got our red flags, players to avoid. And then, of course, the creme de creme to top it off, our Drinking Buddies episode. So we have got uh, packed full fun episodes that I really enjoy. These are a lot of fun uh, so yeah, sleepers and bus starting it off tonight. Uh, really gonna get you right for the redraft season here, since we are on the precipice of, of draft season. Big word time. Big word alert, yeah. Justin. Toilet paper Jeez. of the day. I can't help it. It's really <laughs> coming in handy. You have clearly been studying up. Uh yes. But before we get into it, uh, we're gonna let a little bit of our homerism show here this evening. And with training camp starting tomorrow for most teams, our quarterback, the MVP, has landed in Green Bay. He's returned. We can put to rest whether he's playing or not this season. Thank fucking God. Oh, my God. This last week, especially with the tweets that have been coming out and the the chatter out there, it's just like, thank God it's all put to rest because I couldn't fucking handle anymore. It was just... It was just getting tiring. It's like, will they, won't they? Uh, just ugh, the whole thing. Yeah. I, I just I decided to tell people yesterday, and this was before everything was solidified. It was on its way there. It seemed like it might be there. And, of course, everybody's just losing their mind because it's Twitter and social media has a tendency to do that regardless. It's like, remember, you really shouldn't be hating on Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing or not doing. You should be hating on the people reporting on Aaron Rodgers and what he's doing or not mm-hmm. doing. It just seemed like there was too much being thrown out because it was boring time in the offseason and they need a little bit of uh, matter for their website. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy that it's resolved to a little cherry on top. It sounds like we could be getting Randall Cobb's return to Green Bay. I know one of your favorite players. Texans. One of my all-time favorite Packers. It would be so nice to be able to wear that jersey uh, again whilst he's playing on Sunday for the Packers. Um, so we'll we'll see what comes up to that. It's not firmly in the books yet, but I think it's it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be nice. So 
how do you think that affects the rest of the receiving core fantasy wise if Randall Cobb does come back? Now, he doesn't have the same familiarity with the offense because he's been gone for a couple of years. Um, so he's not familiar with LaFleur's offense, but he does have that familiarity with Rodgers. So how do you see him entering into the fantasy conversation uh, this season then? He does not enter into the fantasy conversation as an individual asset for me coming back, unfortunately, still. That's not because, like you said, it's a brand new offense for him. And the connection with Rodgers is great, especially when plays break down. He's going to be the guy who's getting that last second ball thrown to him uh, because plays are going to break down Mm -hmm. again and again and again. But I don't think that he has enough to just be fantasy relevant for your team. But it's just a little bit of a knock against all the other guys that were there. Lazard, MVS. If you like Damari Rogers, you should still like him for Dynasty. But what about Devin Funches? On... Oh, 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 I forgot all about the Funches. He's, he's impervious to this kind of thing. Let's be honest. He's still, I haven't moved him down a single notch from wide receiver 149. Let's put it that way. Oh, well, good. That's good. Yeah. So better real football move than fantasy move here yeah with, and better for aaron mm-hmm. you like that a little bit for aaron obviously uh not a ton still it's not like that bumps him up you know right. five spots right <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of assurance though mm-hmm. well good all right well let's move on here so we don't have a beer of the week this week but our drink of the week was provided by you jake so why don't you tell the folks what we are sipping on here let's get it right up to the oh, whoop, whoop, oh yeah whoop. you did no, you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it well. I decided uh, to mix this up a little bit of a bourbon drink. I've been getting back into bourbon here. So I don't know how quality this bourbon is, but it's called Kentucky Best Whiskey. It's aged four years. I think it means it's a good quality bourbon. But I just mixed that with a little bit of grapefruit, club soda, and a splash of simple syrup to give it some sweetness. I know we are talking beforehand, you're not a huge grapefruit person. No. But the, but but the, the drink does is the tasty. Sweetness help. Okay. Oh, you can't really taste the uh, grapefruit. Actually, I, I taste the the bourbon, uh, which is delicious. Uh, it's a delicious drink mm. and all. Uh, yeah, but I do want to step back for Ooh. about thirty seconds here. Um, were you listening to Chumbawamba before the podcast started? Because you said bourbon drink, and so you know he he makes a whiskey drink, takes a vodka drink. Excited oh, drink. I was really hoping this this backup beer that we had was a lager drink so that no. we could fit it right into the song. It's so anyway, not, unfortunately. Anyway, I, there it is. Bad dad joke for the day. We'll just mark it up as one on the board here, and uh, hopefully that's it for our guests because I don't think they can handle much more of that. <laughs> you don't know that it might be their favorite part of the show. Secretly, let's put it out to a vote. Uh, yeah. Comments if you like the dad jokes, and we'll yeah. or maybe we'll throw out a Twitter poll for everyone so they can uh, vote on it. <laughs> there we go. That's perfect. All right, Jake. Should we do our drunk trade of the week here? Let's do it. Drunk, 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 trade of the week. This week's drunk trade comes into us from Twitter at MN Sports on Porch, aka Sports on the Porch. Uh, they say, and this is a bit of a preamble here, so just keep this in mind before I give you the actual names, okay? Okay. So, first and foremost, this is a 16 team 
Oof. Dynasty Superflex League. That's, I think that's the highest we've ever gone here. I don't know if we've ever had a 16-team trade prior. No, and, and you missed it. It's IDP as well. It is IDP. I even hesitated putting that in there because it doesn't have anything to do with these players. No, but... But, but it does add to the complexity. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's 16-team PPR IDP Dynasty Superflex. Holy shit! That's a lot of words to say. And we haven't even gotten to the actual trade yet. So, mm-hmm. as a little bit of a prelude here, this happened two weeks ago. All right. Okay. Timeline is very important. Very important. Trade, and you will see why very shortly. So, was hesitant to give up his wide receiver three. Okay? Okay. But he sent away Kirk Cousins and LaVisca Chenault, who was the wide receiver three on his team. Which again... It's a very deep league, so mm-hmm. that makes some sense here. Yep. But received back Russell Wilson and Daryl Henderson two weeks ago. Keep in mind, he says, I was just trying to get the handcuff to Akers, who I had, and RBs are so difficult to find in this league. Does yet? How good did he do? Well, obviously, it turned out great. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Russell Wilson, better than Kirk Cousins. Higher ceiling, let's put it that way. High, much higher ceiling. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, I mean, as your third wide receiver, 16-team league, yeah, that's a pretty good asset there. Um, but I think that's a very pre-Akers injury. I thought it was a very fair trade overall because you're getting a better quarterback but taking the, the downgrade for the uh, running back. Granted, uh, you, I hate it. I hate to get my own handcuffs on a team. Uh, typically, I don't like to do that because then you're kind of either hoping or banking for injury. And mm-hmm. and, and you don't ever want to do that. But obviously, it's worked out very well now. Uh, the timing of it couldn't have been better. No, really, really couldn't have. And in, in fact, this just got sent in this week. And I thought, you know... Obviously, like I thought, he stole this. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of drinks that had to have been had would have been massive. And the context for how much they were drinking, by the way, they're at a Twins game. Oh. Just enjoying some beers in the stands when they decided to talk this out. Must have been a slow inning, you know, a little seventh inning stretch trade mm-hmm. action going on here. Had a few of them tall boy bush lights maybe uh, come your way and, and made this trade. But, yeah, even before the Acres injury – which obviously sucks, as we talked about last week. But, you know, I, I did like Daryl Henderson an okay amount. I mean, he was never going to be like Kareem Hunt level of backup running back no. for me. But he was in the next immediate vicinity. Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't too many other guys that could have actually had a prominent role while also being a good handcuff. So, you know, that was nice. And the Russell over Kirk Cousins made it for me anyways. And right. you know how much I hate to say that. About I know, Wilson. I know, I know, I know your love-hate relationship with Russ. But for fantasy football, I'm trying to win, ultimately, and Russell absolutely gives you a better chance of, of the boom weeks mm-hmm. than Kirk Cousins, and I actually think he has a similar floor. He really doesn't have a crazy low floor, even if they do decide to run a lot, which they did half last year. Right. He's still good, so I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna say this is, we haven't done a rating in a while. Of a drunk trade here? No, we haven't. But I'm going to say for the other person on the receiving end, not the person who submitted, 
I'm gonna see they they had to be like six bush light tall boys into it. The big the big the big guys from the park. Oh yeah, I guess it's more of a silo at the park sometimes. Yeah. It's more than like even the sixteen it's like yeah. twenty ounce. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Nice. Good old bush lattes. That's right. Yeah, That's right. I agree. Uh, that worked out very well for sports on porch. There. Indeed. Very Way to get them sports. Fortuitous timing. Uh, <laughs> even though we hate to see injury, but it worked out well for you. So congratulations there. Yes. yes. Congrats on the brag for your trade. Mm-hmm. Worked out well. All right. Now, before we jump off into the meat here, one thing I do want to say is this week's episode of DTFF is brought to you by MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Head on over to Monkey Knife Fight. They are a daily fantasy sports, uh, let's say it, Goliath, quite frankly. They have so many sports uh, to choose from. And, and if you're getting a little crazy, I hear there might be some Olympic-style action over there. So head on over to monkeyknifefight.com. Sign up using promo code DTFF, and you can get matched up to $50 on your initial deposit. So choose the sports to your liking and keep this in mind because we are very close to actual NFL action now. The last week of this month means next week we will be in the first month that's had NFL action in quite some time. A little too long for my taste. Uh, but anyways, head on over to monkeyknifefight.com and get ready. Oh, I can't wait for any sort of NFL football. The fact that training camp is starting and there's actually going to be like video of like and 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 I, I can't even talk. I'm so excited about training. This football's <laughs> football's back this week. Like it's it's really back. It's happening. It's wild. People are reporting to camp. They're having oh. they're throwing balls to each other. It's getting wild. You guys. Hard knocks it's is going to start soon. I mean, oh, it's just it's going to be it's a glorious time to be alive. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fully agree. Fully agree. Now, Dustin, one other bit here okay. before we get into the juiciness is we have a special uh, uh, drop. Can we say it's a drop? Sure. We like, can. What's the thing that they would say in TRL? Remember TRL from like MTV in the 90s? Well, of course like I do. Music video like premiere. Mm-hmm. And it was... Something that costs like millions of dollars and, and was pretty stupid, but you really wanted to see it anyways, <laughs> because music videos were life back then. Music videos are not life anymore, but I they decided be. for this they should be, and I'm trying to bring it back. I am trying to bring it back, Dustin. So for this week's episode, since we are talking about sleepers for a portion of it, I thought it'd be fun to drop a sleepers themed parody the folks out there to enjoy cool i love it and i have not seen this yet either so i'm really excited to see what this is all about so all right here we go tell me how much you love them tell me how great they are when you post a stat that seems dumb I just see a shining star, you give me sleepers That could hit big sleepers that'll cling too tight Sleepers! God, I need some sleepers, get me through the night 
care too much for reason Don't care if they've done it before All I know is after round ten Everyone's a damned I throw Just give me the sleepers So much value Sleepers really drive me wild Sleepers Craving breakout Sleepers always been my style Everybody's got to sleeper That they all hang their hat on Sleepers may not be a safe thing Just to go and get Oh my god, that was incredible. Mm. Oh, so sultry. It's almost too sultry for the oh. pop. We, we couldn't have broadcast that at noon because it would have been too hot. I, too hot for TV, I think. I, I, I've, I've got... Uh, my, I'm a little bit more warm-blooded right now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> After seeing that. And for folks Woo. that are just listening to the audio of this, you need to come on to the YouTube channel. And check us out at least at about the 16 minute mark uh, of, of the show, so you can at least see the video itself because that was amazing. That was well done. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And as all your videos and parodies are, they are incredible. And I wish I had half that talent uh, to come oh, up with those. It. You stop it. Would you say it's Russell Wilson level of talent? Oh, would absolutely. You, would you give me that? Absolutely. Okay. That's all I needed. That's all I fucking needed. Now I'm going to come out and say that every week, Russell. Uh, to people who will listen. Uh, and <laughs> All right. But, of course, so we are talking sleepers and busts. That's right. Uh, not just sleepers. Uh, because there has to be a yin and yang. That's right. This, quite frankly, there has to be a balance. Right? That's right. Just like the force, there's a balance. That's <laughs> true. All right. So we are going to start with sleepers. Uh, and just for the folks out there, when we are referencing ADP... Uh, we are pulling our our stats from fantasydata.com. So just just so we're putting it out there. Big thank you to the folks at Fantasy Data. Uh, we do appreciate you doing that work for us, so we don't have to. So Jake, why don't you start us with your first sleeper? Man, I I didn't find my walking into offseason thing. I'd be talking about him as a sleeper. But Cam Newton just seems like he's had a level of disrespect here that I, I can't quite handle yet. So we obviously know his situation. He had mm-hmm. somebody drafted to be the heir apparent there. That's Mac Jones. Uh, Mac, by the way, just the inverse of Cam. Think about that and blow your mind for a second. My mind uh, is but- blowing. What the hell? And they could not be more opposite. I mean, it's literally Whoa. like a fucking... Oh, I need another drink wild. while you talk. I can't even handle myself right now. <laughs> anyway, so we know what the future looks like for Cam in, in Patriots land. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we know that it's not going to be a long-term thing, most likely. But for this season and this season only, Cam Newton going as QB 32 currently... As training camp happens and as report comes out, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about the rookie. We're going to hear Mac Jones is looking good. He's 
he's making some throws and he looks confident and we're gonna hear all the typical stuff of course about about rookie quarterbacks and if we don't by the way if it's radio silence then that means cam newton is for sure going to be a thing this Mm -hmm. year um because they will give any opportunity to to flaunt some rookie hype there but cam last year i know it was a bad situation he had nobody to work with on the depth chart his fifth no excuse me the fifth target from 2019 for tom brady was jacoby myers he came the first target on the depth chart by default because it was shambles for him so nobody to work with in terms of actual targets he came down with covid uh which we know now has actually been an issue for multiple players mm-hmm. Zeke, that's kind of why he which, wasn't quite as yeah. had didn't have as much zip yeah and i think a lot of people forget that he had covid i feel like that was uh, very much under the radar as far as NFL players went, like, you know, like you said, the Zeeks and, you know, some other ones, uh, feels like with Cam, people kind of forgot about that. So, yeah, that's a very good yeah. point. Just glossed right over it, and it's part of the excuses trolley that I'm backing up here for Cam, but it, it does it does deserve to be talked about because he still managed to just be 16 despite all of that, and despite having to learn Papa Bill's insane offense, quite frankly, on a super height, uh, heightened timeline. Mm-hmm. He came in late in June, had to deal with the weird offseason issues anyways from last year surrounding COVID, still managed to do good enough for you where you felt comfortable starting him almost every week. He had a couple of duds in there for sure. But this year, he gets an influx of talent. He gets Johnu Smith who Bill Belichick is obsessed with. He gets Hunter Henry, who is an amazing red zone target for him, which is what he craved last year. He just didn't have it. He still has the wheels, as we saw last year. He got you plenty of rushing touchdowns. He he wasn't maybe as uh, uh, spicy on the ground. He wasn't getting you chunk plays with his legs, but he was bailing himself out when he had to with his legs, which is still good to know he can do that. And so... He gets Nelson Aguilar. He gets Kendrick Bourne. Not amazing names, but arguably better than what he had to work with hey. last year. And Nelson Aguilar had a really nice season last year. Like he he finally it finally clicked for whatever reason. So I mean, yeah. for someone that could step up great. and be the wide receiver one, I I mean, again, it's not what you want to see as your wide receiver one on a team, but <laughs> but as you were saying, it's better than what they had last year. Yeah, and you get James James White coming back, too, mm-hmm. for those dump-offs, which will be really nice to have for him. And all I think is quarterback 32. Let's say you're in a, you're in a one QB league, your home league, right? And you can just not think about quarterback until the very last round. Literally, you could not think about quarterback, scoop up the value at every other position, and then take Cam. Now, what's nice about Cam is... Let's say, hypothetically, Mac Jones does come in at some point in this season, which could absolutely happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not projecting it until much later. But even if he comes in week six, seven, great. You drop Cam Newton immediately to waivers and scoop up somebody else to stream. There's a lot of good depth at quarterback. That's not They're not sexy, exciting names, and they don't have his upside. But if you have to, you just do that. As opposed mm-hmm. to drafting like a Justin Fields much earlier, not knowing if he's going to start until week three, four, five, and holding him on your bench, holding that roster spot hostage, like we talked about last week, not wanting to do that, 
go cam instead and shoot for the moon and stream if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually think Cam is going to play all season. I think he rebounds. I don't think Bill wants to play the rookie this season. And, and let's be fair. It's going to be a totally different offense than what you run with Cam. They're two totally different quarterbacks. So I think you have Mac. Ideally, Mac Jones sits on the bench all season, learns plays from the playbook, learn how the offense works, learns how to read defenses better, you know, uh, gets kind of up to speed with the speed of the NFL from practice. You know, Cam ideally plays well, because I believe he's only on the one-year contract here. Right. So they have the out after the season. So I think Cam plays all season. Unless they start off, I think they play Tampa Bay, like, week four i want to say in the schedule so if they get to like week four and they lose bad to like tampa bay and they're oh and four at that point i could see them maybe them pulling the plug just being like oh we got embarrassed by our former quarterback this isn't working let's try something different to try to salvage the season but otherwise i i am projecting cam to play all season and i think he's going to be a high-end qb too so, and I almost, I almost switched it on our show sheet today, um, as I was adjusting some of my other names and I almost took off my name to put on cam. Cause I was like, Ooh, how did I miss that yesterday? But, uh, but yeah, I did not do that. So, uh, I, I really I, like that. I'm glad we're both on the same page with cam. I, cause I'll tell you, I don't know that we're going to be on the same page for a ton of the rest <laughs> of these, Just fine. Um, uh, but now I am on board with who you're going to talk about here mm-hmm. for your QB, by the way. Yeah, so my QB is Carson Wentz, and he is currently ADP, uh, or he's the 18th quarterback off the board. Um, he's been hovering around ADP over the last month, right around the 141 range, um, which I don't know where that is, so I don't know even know why I said it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going off as the 18th QB off the board, uh, which I feel is just criminal at this point because he's in a new offense. And I know last year was terrible. I mean, you couldn't get much worse than the season he had. Uh, it, it would have been almost as bad as the uh, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts thing. That's the only thing that would have made it worse because it was an atrocious season by Carson. The whole offense looked awful. He looked like he had no idea what he was doing. Such a far cry from that MVP type season we had just a couple years ago. Uh, But he gets reunited with Frank Reich, his old QB coach back in Philly when he had that magical season. Uh, So he's reunited with him. He's got an incredible offensive line in front of him. He's got a stud running back behind him. And he's got two competent receivers, possibly three. I would say we got T.Y. Hilton, who's not the burner that he used to be, but still a very good wide receiver. And he was relatively healthy last year after not being healthy for the last few seasons. You got um, Michael Pittman, who I think is going to take a big step forward this year. And you got Paris Campbell who I am still very high on, who has been hampered by injuries in his first two seasons. So you have, and there's a lot of chatter around both Pittman and uh, Campbell when they came out as rookies. So if they can get it together, plus then you've got uh, baby hands, Jack Doyle uh, uh, as the tight end. And then, um, and they also drafted a rookie this year who is totally... um, evading my memory at this point um but 
I've heard a lot of good things about him as well. So good that I forgot his name. Um. <laughs> uh, it's it's like Garrison or something or Harrison. It's uh, I think no, Harrison. It's like Granddad. Slippy, it's Slippy, Slappy, Swanson. Uh, no, but yeah, I, I think the pieces are all in place for Carson Wentz to uh, really outplay his ADP. Uh, as I said, QB 18 right now. I could see him flirting with that QB 1 territory this year, um, a, a, assuming things kind of click. Uh, and that's the assumption. But uh, again, as a guy, you don't have to take until easily the double digit rounds because he isn't going until the 18th quarterback off the board to get someone that I feel like could finish quite a bit higher. Kind of the same as, as where you're at with Cam. Like, you you can wait a long time to get him, but the payoff could be huge where you could then, as you stated, fill up on some other positions why people are grabbing some of those middle-tier quarterbacks. I, I like that, and I was so close when I saw this name in the show sheet to being like, he's not a sleeper. You can't call him a sleeper until I looked at what his ADP actually is, which, you know, I think I think really anything beyond like the 12th round qualifies as a sleeper, which he is. He is like 14th round right mm-hmm. now. It's it's nuts. I mean, I, I'm comfortable taking Wentz there for sure, especially if you don't love any of the wide receiving options that are going around him mm-hmm. at that point. Running backs are going to be gone for you at that stage but if you love a wide receiver there you know take him but otherwise going with Wentz and I like what you said about you know the weapons that he has I don't necessarily agree with Pittman as we'll discuss a little bit later but I agree with the overall theme that you're talking about nice now one guy that I'd like to talk about which you know I decided to go for it Mm -hmm. with uh with this sleeper definition here for my running back yeah, and I don't like this. Now, you don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this. Not a fan? Not a fan. Uh, I don't think you like it because of... <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even see that these two names were side by side. <laughs> my sleeper <laughs> is Miami Dolphins running back Malcolm Brown, who just got picked up this offseason. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I also have a yes. Miami Dolphins running back as my, my sleeper. Holy so. Yeah, so you you so go funny. first, Jake, um, since All you already right. started here. <laughs> now it feels a little wild. <laughs> um, but he is going as RB70 off the board right now. And look, all that means is that he's free and you don't have to draft him at all. So I, I'm not even necessarily advocating for you to draft him if you don't want. Here's what I am saying. is last year... The Miami Dolphins' backfield actually ended up being very good overall for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, the the uh, the big marquee name there was Miles Gaskin, who we might talk about in a little bit. Uh, that was the name, and he obviously came in and, and performed the best out of everybody. He was given the lead role last year and did very well with it. Now, all I am suggesting is that the person who stepped in in place of Miles Gaskin, was Salvan Ahmed, did very well himself. And basically anybody who got the chance in that backfield was great mm-hmm. for fantasy football. I see Malcolm Brown, who has been lingering on the Rams roster uh, for, for, in my opinion, far too long and having to play uh, 
second banana, to some very talented backs there. Again, Daryl Henderson, who we talked about at the top of the show in that drunk trade. Great running back. But Malcolm Brown, I feel like, always got the short end of the stick because he's not a guy who is super explosive and he doesn't do any one thing so well that he's like, that's a star running back. You're, you're, it sounds like you're making points for my guy rather than, no, 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 no. rather than for your guy here. He does everything well, though. There's nothing that he doesn't do well. Pass blocking, he's great at. He he has a nose for the end zone when he gets those opportunities. He's a respectable pass catcher. So he's an all-around quality back. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, is there anything that says they have to go with Gaskin this year in the Miami backfield? The draft capital obviously is not there for Gaskin. That doesn't mean that's an Mm end-all, be-all. But it's not... And again, the fact that anybody who cycled through that backfield was good when they got the opportunity, and now we know Malcolm Brown can be good because he's flashed over in L.A. Just saying, he's worth a stash at the end of your bench. That's mm-hmm. all I'm getting at. All right, before we, we talk about mine here, I just want to... Uh, why is my computer working? Oh, because it's, it's, pop, it's pop-up time, apparently. Anyway, if I, if I could get this up here. There we go. Mark B in the chat says Fitzmagic is my sleeper at quarterback, uh, which is great. Do you know how close I was? Do you know how close I was to listening here? But spoiler alert, I will not be done talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick Ooh. for this offseason. Just no. put a pin in that. Yeah, so currently going at uh, QB24, uh, which is incredible value. He's he's definitely going to outproduce that, in my opinion. So so good on you, Mark. We, we both uh, give give the thumbs up for that. All right, so to my running back here, also of the Miami Dolphins uh, fame, is Miles Gaskin, uh, currently going off as the RB21, technically inside that RB dead zone uh, in the early fourth round. However, if you go, say, and we're, we're going to talk just a regular 1QB PPR league, nothing, no, no sure. you know, tight end premium or anything like that. No fanciness. That's right. If you, if you're just kind of your standard PPR league, if you start off, say, you know, two wide receivers and a tight end in the first three rounds, and you're kind of punting the the running back position, he, I think, is a really good value that I feel like is going to produce near RB1 levels. He's going to be just on the outside Whoa. of RB1. I've got him projected um, currently at RB14 on the season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. Now so we're I, I'm a big believer in, in Miles Gaskin. Um, I, 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 I mean, because they didn't bring they, – they have all the draft capital in the world, this last um, NFL draft, mm-hmm. where they could have brought someone in, and they didn't. I mean, and there's plenty of good running backs. So why didn't they? I mean, and, and there's running backs out on the the free agent market too that they could sign, and they haven't. They brought in Malcolm Brown, Dustin. No, Malcolm Brown hasn't done anything. Don't you think? That's not he, true. Okay, he's done some things. He's Thank done you. some things, but okay. he hasn't produced at a high RB level. Yeah, because he's had guys in front of him. He's had Todd Gurley and, again, Daryl Henderson, who I really like, right in front of him. And McVay, at those times, was trusting a one-running-back guy. It was Todd Gurley's show. 
it was Daryl Henderson's show. He didn't split time, so Malcolm Brown didn't have any any snaps to really get. When he got the snaps, though, he was very effective. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, you know, Miles Gaskin did get injured last year, so that's when we saw Ahmed and, you know, other players step in and do very well. But the Dolphins' offense, uh, you know, they're going to have a lot of holes opening up with that revamped wide receiver core this year. Tua, we're expecting to take a step forward this year, being more familiar with the offense. So there's going to be holes, and as long as he stays healthy, and I know that's always just the big caveat, but I don't assume players are going to get injured unless, you know, going into camp or something, they have some sort of nagging injury like a hamstring or high ankle sprain or something that, you know, we know is going to affect them. Uh, I'm assuming full health here. So, and I think he's going to play and be healthy and. I, I really liked what I saw from him last year. Uh, and this is just kind of a one-year thing. I'm not saying he's going to be the RB1 at Miami past this season. Chances are, because they have a boatload of picks this season again, or this upcoming NFL draft, that they'll probably spend a high draft capital on a running back, probably. Uh, so this is just like a one-year for a redraft this year. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to have a great season. He's going to really surprise some people. Let's do this. You said that he would fit what you had projected RB14, I believe you said. Is that right? That's where you were sitting right uh, I now? I believe so. Let me let me just double check my, my projections here. Okay. If my computer will quit being dumb. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to put so much stress on it. I'm just curious. Um, actually, RB13. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is going to be the easiest beer bet I've ever thrown out. Which, by the way, we have not had a lot lately, and it's really bummed me out. We have oh, me too. We have the books for this upcoming season. So we need to we need to escalate a little bit here. I'm going to say, and I will put down a very comfortable finish line for you. All right. On a points-per-game basis, so that okay. we can eliminate the injury concerns right. for the most part. Right. For the most part. He will not finish better than RB20. On uh, points per game? On points per game. I will smash that all day. Yes! We did it, Dustin. We've got one in the books. Oh, I feel like that's just uh, that's just book. going straight to the bank for me. Uh, yeah, if you want to withdraw money from the bank like an old person, <laughs> I thought you could just go to the ATM. But whatever you choose, I'm going to add that onto our little list. RB20 is the dividing line uh, there. Points per game. And points per game. Yep, yep. Yeah, I just... Uh, I, I'm not sold on any one of these running backs in particular. I took Brown because he's going so far back that he's free money, mm-hmm. and he's not in that dead zone, like you said. But if you have the confidence in him, obviously you take the guy right. that you're actually it, confident with. And you know what? I, I will be honest. My running back sleeper was probably the toughest one for me to come up with a sleeper. Because uh, as, as I was looking through my projections and then what the ADP was, there were so many of them that were like within a spot or two. Yep. And it was just like, oh, I'm and and I did my projections, you know, a couple months ago, well before this, you know, current ADP is out there. So it's like, oh, I'm basically thinking what everyone else is thinking uh, within a few spots. So uh, it was really, yeah. really hard for me to come up with a running back sleeper. And honestly, my running back bust as well. I, I really struggled with that too. Um, just coming sure. up with a good one uh, that I was, I felt really good about. But uh, ultimately, I decided on Gaskin because. Why not? But the ADP does make sense mm-hmm. the most at this position so far. Like, there's very few. Like, I typically just scout for flaws in ADP, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you want to exploit. I will agree. RB, a lot harder to do that with. 
uh, this time around. So kudos to everybody. Aside from the cheat answers, which would have been like Daryl Henderson. Right, is totally. He's low for right now. Well, obviously that's going to increase before the season starts. Absolutely. But now my wide receiver sleeper is very much in keeping tone, though, with that Miami back. Well, you just changed the sheet. You can't change it. I totally changed it. I <laughs> that's totally not fair. changed it. Because... It's well, okay, so you can't hard. you can't go from one player to like five wide receivers. It's a yes, sleeper, not not sleep, not team sleepers. It's it's a yes. sleeper. Justin, you stop it. Yes, I can. Uh, no, I, you know that's why? not fair. That's not how it works. Do you know why I can do that though? Because you're not cheating. A single? No, because not. <laughs> I mean, maybe, possibly. Hey, we never really laid this out as a rule, okay, man. I, All right, I'm going to jot a note for next year then saying no multiple position players from a single team. You can do that, <laughs> but come on, hear me out here. because. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll hear Let you me out. at least plead my case before you just jump all over it here, Dustin. I'll actually mute myself so I can't interrupt your argument here, <laughs> and then I will tell you why you're wrong afterwards. Okay, you feel free to do that. I have chosen for my wide receiver sleeper, quote unquote, the Detroit Lions receiving core. And the reason I've decided to do that, instead of pointing out one particular person, is because not a single wide receiver on this team is going in the top 60 in ADP right now. Not a one of them. We have in order here. Amon Ra St. Brown, the rookie draft pick, is going at the top of the list at wide receiver 64. Then Brashad Perryman at wide receiver 66. Then we have Tyrell Williams at wide receiver 74. And way, way, way even down is Quintez Cephas, a, a hometown hero for us Badgers, uh, who we recall from, from his playing days in Wisconsin, at wide receiver 99. That is wild. Now, here's the obvious answer to why that's happening. Nobody likes Detroit this year. Everybody believes Detroit is going to be the worst team in the NFL outside of probably the Houston Texans. And they are battling for last place. That's the perception, right? Jared Goff comes over this offseason, and they completely changed out every wide receiver, save for Quintus Sivas, who was there last year. Change everybody out. Marvin Jones, gone. Kenny Galley, gone. Uh, even the other Marvin, Marvin Hall, I think, is even gone. Like, everybody's gone. They just said, hey, whatever we can slot in there, let's just put them in. And that's what they've done. Bad teams, however, still have to throw the ball a lot. And they have to throw the ball a lot more than good teams typically do, overall. Because they're always playing from behind. You have two obvious targets there. It's TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. And then it is everybody else. And that's what this ADP is all about. Now, Dustin, if you want me to at least highlight one person that I would have a personal preference for, I, would I wish do you would that here uh, because if you, if you're picking all the Detroit wide receivers, you're basically telling our listeners you need to draft four Detroit wide receivers on your team because they're all going to work out for you. Oh God, no! That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, what, sounds now, like it. What my intent here? Here's what my intent is: is to pick your favorite. No BS. It is pick your favorite. Uh, if you have a strong uh, predisposition towards Rashad Perryman because he is somewhat more of the deep threat 
feel free to do that. If you like Tyrell Williams, because he is a deep threat that also has a little bit of a track record, He's the, he has the most yardage, hypothetically, out of these guys. Or I feel like Quintez Cephas, because he has a year with the Lions, do that. Although it's a totally different system, that's not going to do him well. And it's a new quarterback, so that's not going to do him well. Pick your favorite. Now, mm-hmm. my favorite, Dustin, as you're asking, is I wanted it to be Quintez Cephas because he has the lowest ADP. But ADP you can throw out the window at this point because they're mm-hmm. all the last round. It's actually Brashad Perryman. Perryman's had some really bad luck with injuries. I mean, Williams has a little bit too, but Perryman's really had some bad luck with injuries. At least with Perryman, though, you've seen the flashes. And you've seen the flashes happen on bad offenses with bad quarterbacks. When he was there with the Jets, for example, when healthy, he actually did pretty goddamn well. Let me throw up his numbers here. Um... Or excuse me, uh, when he was with, uh, oh, that's Brett Perryman. Pro football reference, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I wanted to talk about Brett Perryman. Who in the world? That's how bad it's gotten for the Washington in Detroit. They're like, no, you didn't want this. Let me try to correct you over here. Uh. In any case, he had on very limited targets, he put up 30 receptions for 500 yards. That is the deep threat that you would be after there. That is the Nelson Aguilar type, right? If we're looking at an archetype, uh, that's what it is. And he's not a huge touchdown threat, but he has that ability. It is like drafting Brandon Cook's light light, an emphasis on the light. He can still take it to the house and get you those touchdowns, but he's not the red zone guy. And that's fine because Detroit is not going to be in the red zone that often. You need the guy who has big play potential to take it to the house himself, a Robbie Anderson-esque type of player even. That's what you need in this offense. And no disrespect to Hawkinson, who's going to get plenty of targets, obviously, but I want the guy who has the big big play potential with Goff, who we know can push it down the field. And I feel, hey, if you want a dart throw at the end of your draft as the wide receiver, take whoever you're comfortable with. My preference is Brashad Perry. Does that does that suit your needs now, Dustin? Is that fine? That that's fine. Um, I All feel right. like we've had enough uh, Detroit Lions talk for one podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> for all of the offseason, honestly, yeah. we can abandon it from this point forward. All right, so we'll move on here. Uh, my court, my court, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is my sleeper for wide receiver uh, this season. Uh, he is currently going as the wide receiver. My laptop sucks. I need a new laptop here. Um, <laughs> I believe Is it also recommending that we talk about Brett Perryman for you? Uh, it might. Uh, we'll, we'll find out here. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's currently going as wide receiver 31. Um, so I think people have forgotten how good he was prior to his ACL injury early in the season last year i mean he basically he, he essentially missed the entire season last year um and, and going into last year he was had a lot of hype behind him after his rookie season and i think people have just forgotten how talented he is i know they drafted jerry judy um who very much flashed and had a very solid rookie season as well um uh, i know hopes have been dashed now that uh, aaron Rodgers would would go to 
Denver and revitalize the entire offense. But I do think Drew Locke will take a small step forward this year. And people are just discounting Cortland Sutton too much. I think he has the opportunity to be a solid wide receiver too. Uh, probably flash some wide receiver one weeks here and there. Um, and there's going to be enough enough meat on the bone for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to both get theirs on this offense. So so why the big discount on him? Um, and Jerry Judy's going wide receiver 34 right now. So, I mean, they're very close in ADP. Uh, but, but give me Cortland Sutton all day. I mean, this guy, he has the tools to be the alpha, like a, a prototypical wide receiver one in the league. And I think if he had a better quarterback, people would be much higher on him. Uh, but, but people don't like Drew Locke and, and they forgot how good he was before he was injured. So, so pick him up. Uh, I've traded for him in, in leagues this off season. Cause I believe he's going to bounce back in a big way. I don't hate that. I think everybody's indecision is, well, which quarterback is going to be Drew Locke or Teddy B, and they like one of these guys more matched up with mm-hmm. a different quarterback than the other, and, and that's the whole boondoggle. With it. I agree with you. I, I want the touchdown upside, which Courtney Sutton has uh, all over. My next sleeper, we're talking about tight ends. We're mm-hmm. talking about tight ends. And we're talking about tight end sleepers. If you've listened to us for long enough, you know our stance on tight ends as it stands. Mm-hmm. It is a trash heap after the top three or four, and then it is pick your poison at the very end. And I am waiting until the very end with this particular pick. Dustin, you're going to be proud of me because we're talking about Houston Texans tight end, but it's not Kahale Waring. So oh. I moved on. To what some would say more reasonable territory, it's The only reason I say that is because a uh, report did come out recently that Waring is actually on the roster bubble. So, but you oh. can believe whatever you want in his metrics and his... I, I know, I wanted it to happen as much as anybody could. It's not happening. So, I am now looking inward, reevaluating, taking the guy at the top of the heap for the Texans. And it is a heap. But Darren Fells is gone. Now, it had been previously the Darren Fells, Jordan Aikens kind of one-two punch there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fells, I think people forget actually how kind of good he was and how many usable weeks he had at least at the start of the season. Uh, he really, really backed off after about week six or so. But he had very usable weeks for you. Um, he had touchdown upside, but he's gone. We now know Randall Cobb very likely gone. Mm-hmm. Will Fuller, gone. The receivers there, it's a very comparable situation to Detroit. You have Brandon Cooks, and then you have very little else. Obviously, everybody knows I love Brandon Cooks, but he's not a sleeper anymore. Uh, I like to take some small credit for that. But there has to be a secondary option. And their backfield is not filled with prototypical pass catchers. Philip Lindsay, not really a pass catcher mark ingram on the roster bubble also not a huge pass catcher david johnson kind of catches passes but they need somebody a steady presence at the middle of the field whether it ends up being deshaun watson somehow which would be weird i can't imagine a world where he actually starts the whole season no but people are pretending that's going to be a thing but even if it's tyrod taylor or if it's davis mills whoever it is they're going to be looking towards the middle of the field often because they're going to have to throw it and throw it fast. Jordan Akins could be a sneaky play for you. The touchdown upside's definitely there with 
again, Darren Fells being God and Kahali Waring apparently not being a deal. And the only other guy they have in the depth chart is a rookie tight end. We know that those almost never pan off, especially when they don't have high draft capital, uh, which he really doesn't. So that's my deal. Akins it is. Nice. Well, mine is Cole Komet. And I don't understand how he is going so late in drafts. He's currently the tight end 26 off the board, going extremely late in the 300s. Uh, for ADP overall, and that that's free. That's free. You don't even have to draft them, and you can pick them up. And we saw flashes late in the season of him actually producing and, and getting the ball and, and really coming into his own. Now, I know Jimmy Graham is still there, and he'll probably siphon some touches away because that's what Jimmy Graham does, especially in the red zone. Because uh, let's be honest, he can only run about two yards before he slows down. So it's got to be close there to the red zone. Uh, and I know they have a new quarterback this year with Justin Fields. But tight ends are typically, other than running backs, a new quarterback's best friend. So, and like I said, we saw flashes out of him last year. That second half of the season, he really came on and started making some big plays. Um, and we know this as Packer fans because we saw the two Bears games uh, where he played, and he played well during those games. I mean, he made some good plays. And and now Anthony Miller is gone for whatever that's worth, but it is one less receiving target on that team. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't see him finishing that low. And let's be honest, when you get outside the top seven, six seven for tight ends it's all a dart throw anyway so i would rather take a guy that that showed flashes last year that maybe has some upside to produce really really well and again like you said earlier with uh cam newton it's like if it's not working out you just cut him and pick up someone else it's not that big a deal at that you're basically picking him off the free agent waiver wire anyway because you don't have to draft him agreed agreed jimmy graham just go away so we can have a nice thing by the way for the love of God. Yeah, quit ruining things uh, for other people. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit our bus now. Obviously, mm-hmm. we'll go through these a little bit faster. Uh, we don't like to dwell on the negative too much, but we have to talk about it. Uh, now, here's one where I'm interested to get your your perspective because I believe you have him ranked fairly high. It's Joe Burrow, quarterback, bust, in my opinion, playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I only say bust, and we have to temper this every year when we say bust we're not saying that they are going to just flat out fall off the face that's of the earth. right they're not going to be i'm not saying he's quarterback 40 now just because i listened to them as a bust but we're saying relative to adp we're not believers that's I'm right i'm not a believer in joe burrow relative to his qb 13 adp and part of that i'll be honest it's just because there's there's guys that i like more than him mm-hmm. going well behind him Yep. It's not even necessarily an indictment of Joe Burrow saying, I don't think he's going to have a good season. This is one of the deeper QB years, mm-hmm. I think, in recent memory. And that's why we're talking about at the very end of your draft, being able to get a Cam Newton or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, whatever. Like Carson Wentz is QB 18 on the Colts. That doesn't happen in most years, but the shakeups have been weird. Joe Burrow, QB 13. I get it. The pass catchers. It's well, he's got T. Higgins and he's got Tyler Boyd, and now rookie Jamar Chase is coming back home to play basically mm-hmm. the, that connection with Burrow. I get all that, but also Chase has not played football in over a year. 
So coming back as a rookie and now expecting him to be the solution or to be, look, it's not going to be hard to be better than A.J. Green, but to expect him to be significantly better than A.J. Green right away, I actually think is a little bit of a misnomer. And I'm moving Chase down my rankings because of that. Now, even though I like the pass catchers overall, question is still offensive line. Do I believe in it? And mm -hmm. I don't. I don't believe they made enough strides to actually fix the offensive line. We are relying on Joe Mixon now to be the primary pass catcher, and he's fine. Giovanni Bernard, I think, was a better outlet sometimes for the quarterback than Mixon ended up being last year, and now Gio is gone. I'm not saying that's like a massive knock, but it is something to consider. Mm -hmm. And I just, there's so many guys going right behind him. Matt Ryan who is now getting the ultra-efficient offense that Tennessee had the last couple of years with Arthur Smith there. Even rookie Trevor Lawrence I'm pretty interested in. Um, Baker Mayfield, I'll take him or leave him, but Carson Wentz I'd rather have over Joe Burrow. Kirk Cousins, we rag on him, but the dude has been so consistent where it's like if I need the consistent baseline, I'd almost rather have him. Uh, there's these guys, and obviously whatever the Saints quarterback ends up being when that battle shakes out mm -hmm. i want him over burrow too we haven't figured out who that is but both of them are going behind him that's just the vibe i'm at it's it's fine if you draft him i'm not saying it's the end of the world i'm probably going to be avoiding him though mm -hmm. same and i actually have him um projected out to be qb 15 so uh okay so i i, I don't hate that at all at all um Woo. Uh, we're, we're lockstep right there. So my quarterback here is uh, Jalen Hurts, who is currently going as QB 11. Uh, let me say that again. QB 11. People are thinking he's going to be a QB 1 on the season. And this is off of essentially three games that we saw him at the end of the season last year. Four Three and a half, four. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give him four. So four games, a quarter of the season, super small sample size in a league that already only has 16 games, which is a very small sample size as far as, as production goes. So we saw him at the end of the year rip off four very good games, and I'll give him that. He looked really good. But the fact that he's people think he's going to be a QB1, and I know he's got the legs, he's got a good arm, I just don't believe it. I just, they've moderately improved their wide receiver core with with their draft pick. You're not uh, a huge fan of Devonta Smith is what I'm hearing. I, I'm not a huge fan. I, I just, no. I'll believe it when I see it because he is such a small player. I, I know he's done, it at, he's done it at every level. I understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, he, and he could be that outlier that makes it in the NFL and is awesome. Like he very well could be. I'm not, but I want to see it first. Uh, I'm just I'm just skeptical. Uh, we've we've got their tight ends, which I love both of them. But sounds like Zach Ertz is probably going to be out the door at some point here, uh, which just leaves Goddard. And then we love Miles Sanders, love him, but he has had his injuries, and Jalen Hurts didn't really look his way too too much. And their offensive line was dinged up last year. That should be better. But they didn't really do much to bolster it this offseason either, which gives me a little bit of concern. Um, and again, I just I just don't like that that people are, are anointing him as this high end QB with such a small sample size. I mean, you're, you're not seeing Trevor Lawrence, who is the second coming of quarterbacks here, 
he's going at QB 15 overall. He's not even a QB one. And people have been talking about him as the next QB since he was in high school, for God's sake. So the, the fact that Jalen hurts after just four games is all of a sudden anointed this, this very top tier quarterback. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Chances are I'll be wrong, but I will ride or die with that. And I don't, I just don't think he's going to repay that, that QB one value that you have to pay for him. That's the thing. I, I, I totally get that. I think he had, he did have an impressive stretch, especially the first three games that he started. He really got hindered against Washington there, which dropped some of his, you know, metrics or whatever. But I think people are just fascinated with Konami code, dual threat, rushing, throwing quarterbacks right now. Because we do know that they're a cheat code in fantasy. Mm-hmm. But to your point, like Trevor Lawrence had a substantial rushing yardage career in college. Like he can do that also. And he has arguably better tape to work off of mm-hmm. here. Um, with maybe better pass catchers that I, I guess debatable to be seen, but yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not willing to write off that he could be a QB one. Like certainly. I said, I could be wrong with this. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's within the realm of possibility. I just don't think so. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, based on where you have to draft him, he's not going to repay that draft value this year. Fair, fair. Uh, and Hey, he could be on the move to, uh, Houston, according to right reports, where Watson might get traded to Philly for and some. And if that happens, it's definitely going to be a bust at that ADP. <laughs> you think? Because I mean, Watson did so well in Houston with, although I guess his weapons maybe were a hair yes. better. Yes. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, I'll, if, you're, I'll and, if, you're, and if you're comparing Jalen Hurts to Deshaun Watson talent wise, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's a bit of a stretch for me as well. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Watson certainly proved it. Yes. Um, time and time again. Yes. So yeah. I, I'm down with that. All right. Now, running back, bus. Again, this was hard. This was tough to mm-hmm. actually pinpoint one where I felt you are so far outside your ADP that I'm willing to say that I'm out. Yep. And it's that running back dead zone that you're talking about earlier where you get past the initial wave. You're excited about everybody. And then there's this weird area where you go, I should probably draft draft somebody now because they're getting scooped up. My league mates are taking running backs. Uh, pressured J.K. Dobbins. You know, you can feel yourself having to feel pressured mm-hmm. to take J.K. Dobbins. And I'm not going to do that. And I advocate that you do not do that. My issue with Dobbins is that, one, that offense with Lamar Jackson is going to be fed through the running game of Lamar Jackson more than any individual running back in that backfield. The last good instance that we have to work off of was Mark Ingram a couple of years ago, three years ago maybe now, Mm -hmm. where he managed to scrape his way inside RB1 territory. He only did that because of a massive amount of touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins is going to have to see that exact same level of touchdowns to return value at RB15. And I don't see a world where that happens now that they have added to the receiving core, which means they have got, and Rashad Bateman by all means seems like a good red zone threat Mm -hmm. to pair with Mark Andrews. Now you've got Tylen Wallace in there, even Sammy Watkins, who I know people are easy to harp on, myself included. 
But from a real NFL perspective, he gives you something that you didn't have before. The issue is how many carries is J.K. Dobbins going to get, and how many is he going to get with Gus Edwards behind him? Mm-hmm. Now, if Gus Edwards did get added onto the COVID list I saw today. Um, that will take him out of action here for the first couple of weeks of training camp. Ten days, I believe. But yep. that doesn't mean that he's obviously not going to be playing this season, and he will still be right behind him. Supposing that he doesn't, that he's not actually suffering effects from COVID, like Zeke did, like Cam did, he's going to be the guy who is nipping at Dobbins' heels the entire season. The only good thing you can say is Dobbins is going to get the bulk of the backfield passes to him. He's going to get those receptions, but how many exist in that offense? The answer is not a lot. <laughs> so. Dobbins, there's the, here's the guys going right behind him. And here's my final point on this is Chris Carson is right behind him. David Montgomery, right behind him. DeAndre Swift, right behind him. Miles Sanders, right behind him. Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis. Basically, all of those guys I feel more comfortable with than Dobbins this year. And that's why I'm just not in on him currently at his ADP. All right. Uh, I actually disagree with you a little bit there. I, I, I think he's fairly... Uh, priced as far as ADP goes, uh, but but I don't I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just I'm not. I'm you don't not... want to bet on it. What would be the bet? What would be the bet? Well, let's see. Let me look at my cutoff point for ADP and say the people I would take him over, and then we can use that as the dividing line. Is that fair? So Mike Davis is the last guy I would take over him, probably. I mean, if we're just looking straight up, not right. factoring in cost, right. I would I would say probably Mike Davis. So RB twenty two. So is RB twenty two? You think he's going to finish above that? Yes. Overall, now I'm yes. not going to do the points per game business with this no. particular one. Overall, barring barring to. injury, minimum oh. twelve games. Okay. How about minimum right. twelve games. All yeah. right. All right. Fair? I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say you can't play like two games and get injured, and you'd be like, "Oh, look, uh, you know, let's, let's make it fair." Actually, you know what? Because it's it's seventeen games. Let's do minimum thirteen. Oh, lucky thirteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, okay. I'll take that. Fair enough. PPR. Give me that RB cheddar. Alan's probably gonna fall more in your fi- in your favor, but I don't care. I just I want to be your best. Sister. All right. So uh, who do you have for yours? <laughs> Mine is, and again, I struggled with this one. I really did. Um, I just I kept looking at the list, and I'm like, God, these guys are all like pretty fairly ranked as far as what their ADP is this year, which is crazy. Like, there's not one that stands out as like this. This is just way way the hell out there. And I did think about. James Robinson um, at first, and I had him on my list, um, and then I changed it because I've been slowly changing my mind about Robinson. So I didn't want to throw him out there for a okay. bust. Uh, so I so I pivoted to Raheem Mostert, and he is currently going off twenty uh, fifth RB off the board, and it's kind of the inverse of what I'm thinking with James Robinson and Travis Etienne there in Jacksonville is I think that uh, Trey Sermon will end up getting the for San Francisco, the bulk of the workload by the end of the season. I think he's going to be the more talented back. Uh, Mostert's what? 28 years old now, which is old for a running back. I know he started off his season uh, not playing a lot. So he's technically got fresher legs than, than your typical 28-year-old that has all the tread on the, you know, taking off the tires. Uh, but I, I think that that he's just not, like I said, 
Trey Sermon, he's going to end up being the back. And, and Trey Sermon is currently going as the 33rd running back off the board. So a uh, couple rounds later at this point, um, and I'll just take that value for, for Trey Sermon rather than Mostert, even though he's he's flashed and he's shown it. He also hasn't shown he can stay healthy either. Um, and I hate to say, oh, he's going to be injured. I'm not assuming injury, but you do have to look at that as well at times. Um, and I like I said, they, they, the Niners traded up to get Trey Sermon, so they're going to use him. I think he'll be more involved in Mostert in the passing game. Um, and so I think at RB25, Mostert will disappoint you. I'm all over that. I I very nearly actually had, instead of Malcolm Brown, Wayne Gallman as my running back sleeper for part of that reason. I know you obviously said Trey Sermon is going to leave that, but to me it's just nobody has the definitive mm-hmm. edge even, I don't think, and most are with the injuries I'm just fully, <laughs> fully yeah. gone there. Well, so and Shanahan has made it clear that he doesn't care who the running back is. The system works. Like He brings in guys that fits his system, so all these guys fit his system. So if one gets injured, the next one can jump right in, and they don't miss a beat in the offense. So uh, yep. so that, that's what makes it tough, but I think RB25, I know that's just outside of RB2 range, but if you're banking on Mostert to be your RB2, I think you'll be disappointed. I, I don't like that. Yeah. Except for the three games that maybe you get and that you probably don't play him for because you've already been boondoggled. Well, I say he'll he'll have the he'll have those couple of blow up games where he just goes off the fucking charts. But um, season long, you know, over week to week, I mean, I think he's going to end up disappointing you. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent agree. I love mm-hmm. that call. Uh, now, here's where we're probably going to differ again, because you brought him up when you talked about your quarterback sleeper, Carson Wentz. I am not smitten with Michael Pittman here. I don't. Get it? Uh, now, obviously, we're not supposed to just judge everybody on a rookie season, and that's not what I'm doing here, but I do factor that in to my consideration here. Uh, finished with more than 60 yards just once, more than 46 yards three times in this rookie season. Again, not the end of the world, especially because you had Philip Noodle Arm Rivers as your quarterback. Mm-hmm. My bigger concern is, once again... Look at the guys going around him at this ADP and make that make sense to me. I don't buy any Carson Wentz wide receiver at this point in that range. There is no proven track record of that actually happening outside of like one half of a season for Alshon Jeffrey forever ago. It doesn't exist. So now we've got guys, he's going right around the range of Debo Samuel. Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry, Curtis Samuel, Mike Williams. I will go down this list and find easily 12-plus guys that I would rather have above Michael Pittman right now. Now, for Carson Wentz, sure, I'm sure he'll be good. I'm sure he will be. And especially in the long run, I'm sure he'll be an asset to that team. This year, with Paris Campbell, who I do love and is going so much later, He's some. If you want to call him a gadget guy, fine. I don't fully. Agree I don't with think it. that. But he's wide receiver sixty-two currently. That is an absurd difference between the two of those. Mm-hmm. And even T.Y. Hilton, who best days behind him, absolutely. Is he likely to disappoint? Probably. But could he have at least an age a better season than AJ Green did last year? I think he can. Well, probably. The offense is more conducive. But to it. here's the, the thing: offensive line. Yeah. 
Michael Pittman is the first Indianapolis wide receiver off the board at 37. So what that's saying is Indianapolis is not going to produce at a minimum for your fantasy squad, a wide receiver three. Yeah, I buy that. Or I buy that we don't actually know who it is. I buy there's just as much a likelihood that Paris Campbell's Campbell's Campbell finishes as that wide receiver three as Michael Pittman does. Or just as much that T.Y. Hilton gets a healthy streak and catches enough touchdowns okay. to be the wide receiver. That three. is fair. But I, also, I will concede that point also, to you. <laughs> Dustin, Dustin, it's Jonathan Taylor season. Everything goes through Jonathan Taylor this year. Everything goes through Jonathan Taylor this year. But he, but really though, Naheem Hines, we know he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. JT is going to get his, maybe even Marlon Mack. I don't know. That remains to be seen. Obviously, we're tracking that closely coming off the Achilles injury. But the tight ends, that's where Carson Wentz has always made his bread and butter is utilizing those tight ends. Not the same quality as what he had with the Eagles, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mo Alley Cox, great red zone threat, absolutely though. You know, freak athlete, they always say, with uh, those guys who can't actually run a route. But he is. He, he truly is. And even with Jack Doyle there, uh, I know we give him shit sometimes about his receiving abilities, but, like, that's where he has historically made his hay. So I'm not willing to bank on one Colts receiver above the guys that I mentioned before. That's all. Okay. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you so much that I say this is your off your rocker. Um, but I guess, like you said, I'm a bit higher on Pittman than you are. And that's OK. We can disagree. It's okay. That's fine. We can disagree mm-hmm. and still be friends afterwards. OK, who is your wide receiver? All right. And this one pains me. It, it really does, because I've been a big fan of this wide receiver for the entire time he's been in his league. And all he's done is produced literally at wide receiver one levels. Uh, but just where he's being drafted this year uh, with his teammates and the team he's on, I just can't get on board with his ADP. And that's what it comes down to. We have to remember, this is our busts based on what their ADP is. So I'm talking about Julio Jones. His ADP right now is wide receiver 14. 14. Just outside wide receiver one territory. Now, if this was, if he was still with Atlanta, I, I, I probably would have had both him and, and uh, Kelvin Ridley inside the top 12. Uh, I mean, it, it would have been a very good possibility. This offense in Tennessee is not the Atlanta offense. Ryan Tannehill, very competent, very good quarterback. I would not say he's an elite quarterback. I think you can get on board with that. I, I agree with that. Yes. Okay. Okay. So Derrick Henry elite running back and they like to run the they like to get the offense going through Derrick Henry first so he's going to get his and they use the running game to open up the passing offense correct historically that's what they okay 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 that I'm just just making sure so (laughs) AJ Brown stud and he's done his on very limited um uh, receptions or passes thrown his way targets. That's the word I was looking for targets. <laughs> he's, he's, he's made his hay on very limited targets and he's been super hyper efficient with those. Uh, and right. I'll be honest last year going into the season, I thought he was going to drop off a, a bit and have a little bit of regression. Prove me wrong. Same. Prove me wrong. Like I, I am fully on board with him. He is one of those freak players that no matter what his target share or what his targets are for the season, 
even if it's limited targets based on the offense, he's going to produce because he is that good. And Julio, still elite. I mean, don't get me wrong, but he is reaching that age where it's starting to fall off. Uh, he has been hampered by some injuries where it hasn't necessarily kept him off the field, but it used more as a decoy during those games where it's essentially like he's resting himself because he's not, you know, exerting himself too much out there on the field. Um, and I just don't see this Tennessee offense being to be able to produce two wide receiver, essentially wide receiver ones, uh, because AJ Brown is going eighth overall, uh, where Julio is 14th. Um, AJ Brown fully on board. He's going to be an elite wide receiver. Uh, no, no issues there, but I don't see enough volume in this offense for both wide receivers to be at that level. And I know John who's gone, but Anthony Fersker did look good in his opportunities down the stretch last year when John was hurt. Uh, and they're still going to have to have more than just the two wide receivers. Uh, they are going to end up throwing some things underneath, which is where Fersker will get his. Um, so I just don't know that there's enough volume on this offense for him to pay off at that ADP. And Julio's never been a touchdown guy. Let's let's get that out there too, which is where you get a lot of points. So, I mean, if you're expecting him to have 1,400 yards and 150 receptions like you did on the Atlanta offense, I mean, that's just not going to happen. So for him to be drafted that high, I think you're going to be severely disappointed come the end of the season. I respect the take. Because it is wild that they're both going inside the top 14 receivers when we know how that offense works. They haven't, they haven't had, they haven't ranked higher than 30th in pass attempts in any of the last three seasons. Not a single one have they ranked higher than 30th overall in the NFL. Yeah, that's concerning. Obviously, Julio is better than Corey Davis. Obviously. No no doubt there. Yeah. No arguments. And if you wanted to plant your flag on Julio over A.J. Brown this year, I'd actually be okay with it. If you're out there listening and you say, mm-hmm. I believe Julio is going to be this guy, the guy this year, and A.J. Brown is going to take a back seat for whatever reason, fine. I'm it, on board it, with it, that. It could happen, absolutely. But you have to pick one. Right. You don't get it's not. It's not going to be both. Not in this offense. No. No, you do not get both. So I agree with that. you got to pick your guy and if. Hey, if that six-spot difference makes you want to believe in in Julio more because it's a value or you think he's going to outperform A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. then go for it. But otherwise, well, I am 100% and, with and it. And one last thing real quick, and we'll we'll get to uh, our tight ends here and round out the show. But um, A.J. Brown has that familiarity with Tannehill now from the last couple seasons. Julio's coming in as the free agent. Not saying that, that they can't click and not have a good season. We saw it with Hopkins and um, Kyler Murray last year. But right. But uh, that is that it, yeah, that is a consideration you have to think about. There is already an established wide res- alpha wide receiver on that team in AJ right. Brown, right? Which is different than both of those right. situations with Hopkins and with Diggs, where they were walking. There was no mm-hmm. clear alpha, so exactly absolutely to that point. Can I just ask though? I'm curious. What is your floor for Julio Jones? Like, where do you think? What could his worst case scenario be here this year? Do you think? Because Corey Davis again, wide receiver mm-hmm. thirty last year. Can we can we at least agree that's got to be his floor floor at worst? Yeah, I would. So what, I would what's realistically, he's probably going to end up. I mean, low it's end wi- low end wide receiver three. I mean, mid wide receiver three. I just 
I, I just don't believe that offense has enough volume to sustain more than that. And I know Corey Davis. I guess Davis, what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, could he finish worse than Corey Davis did last year at wide receiver 30? Do you could, think that's possible? Could he? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. Okay. Likely, no. But is Gross. it possible? Yes. I want a beer bet again. That's so hard. But I know you're not saying that that's what's necessarily going to happen. Right, it's just right. Floor. I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in on him as a potential wide receiver too. You know, and the thing, the thing that drops him down is the touchdowns. Like, and maybe that was a function of the Atlanta offense. I don't know, but we yes. saw it for so long that it's like, mm-hmm. maybe he's just not a red zone target. Yeah, I mean, or or a guy that. He's not he's not an AJ Brown where he can break off he breaks off long runs to the end zone and he wasn't targeted in the red zone necessarily. Does that change in this offense? It could. I'm not saying it can't, but that's not something we've seen throughout his career. How about one more beer bet for this episode? Okay. On Julio Jones. Okay. And I'm not talking about his overall fantasy finish, but because you just brought that up about his uh, touchdown total. Mhm. I want to throw out his best season with touchdowns, which was 10 in his sophomore season. We have to go in the way back machine. Way back. Get to that. His next best total was eight. He's done that three times in his career, most recently in 2018. I actually think in Tennessee he has a better shot at touchdowns than he ever did in Atlanta because of the way that offense runs. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say... Julio meets or exceeds eight touchdowns. Will you take that bet? I'll take that bet. I don't think he's going to hit it. I've got him projected at seven. So just under that. Ah, that's a perfect line for this. I love that. All right. Excellent. I'm marking it. Yeah, I I just feel like, uh, and of course, these could easily go to A.J. Brown. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) it's what it is. Uh, But I actually think Julio is a better shot at that part than he ever did. So we'll see. Yeah, we, yes, we will. Now that it's in the books. Oh, we'll see. All right. Okay, so let's finish wrap off. it up. Yep. Grossness, um, grossness, tight ends. And now we're talking about the worst tight ends or the most impractical tight ends, maybe is a better way to say it. Logan Thomas, man. It's Logan Thomas at tight end eight. Every year we do this. Every goddamn year, Dustin, we do this where there is a tight end that finishes unreasonably high the prior year. Based on one of two things, either an crazy amount of touchdowns Mm -hmm. or a crazy amount of targets that we never foresaw. That's what happened last year in Washington's offense with Logan Thomas. He got all of the targets. He tied with J.D. McKissick, a running back, for the most targets on the Washington offense with 110. Mm -hmm. That's not happening this year. One, because Ryan Fitzpatrick does not target his tight ends as much as everybody thinks. And in fact, going back, we talked about this on the previous episode, but with Gesicki, with Mike Gesicki there, Mm -hmm. he finished really well, but it wasn't because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was because of the Tua games. He actually did better with the Tua games than he did with the Fitz games. They have an influx of talent. Curtis Samuel is on there. People love Dynami Brown, rookie wide receiver going in there as well. Antonio Gibson should be getting so many more targets this year than he did last should. year. He was a wide receiver in college, came into the NFL raw as a running back, didn't know maybe how to pass block as well as he needed to uh, to get all of those passing snaps. A year in the offense, a year playing the position should help that quite a lot. 
But the general idea that Logan Thomas would be seeing anywhere close to the target share he saw last year is just out of this world, bonkers. And he's tight end eight, meaning you have to take him still reasonably high in your drafts. In the round that he's going in, you have to take him round six-ish, basically. It's between round six and seven. No! That is the tight end trap. That is always where we take those guys. Hello, Vance McDonald from a couple of years ago. Like, this Ugh. is just that area where you fall into it. And again, you go, all the good guys are off the board. My top four or five are gone. But now there's a run on tight end. So I better scoop somebody up before I'm left with the worst case scenario. No, no, don't be stupid. Do yourself the favor. Wait into the very, very last rounds. Take one of these guys. I swear, take Jordan Akins. Take Cole Komet. Take Jared Cook. Take any of these guys going significantly later. Because the chance that Logan Thomas busts for you, again, meaning he doesn't come back producing near enough to what you could have gotten from a similar running back, wide receiver in that range, you know, above value. It, it, it's too great. Don't be that guy. That takes Logan Thomas. Yeah, I I want to agree with you here. I really do, but I just can't. I think he's I think he'll return that value. I, I really meaning, do. Meaning that you don't feel bad drafting him in the again, sixth, seventh, whatever I said, round there. He's good, like a weekly steady presence for you, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean cool. as you said, um uh, with Mike Gasecki last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I gotta make sure I have PPR uh, scoring up here. Make sure my numbers are correct. Uh, Mike Gusecki oh. did finish as the tight end seven last year. Yeah, but remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick did not start that entire time, and his only competition for targets really was Devontae Parker. I'm just now. Um, all of a sudden, I'm just you saying. Have just Terry saying. McLaurin, Your tight Curtis end takes Samuel, have been terrible before. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> Nobody really should be listening to me for tight ends. That in and of itself makes me second guess me. But no, with Logan, I feel let's do it. Let's no, 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 no. I, I, I don't, no, hate, I don't no. hate it. <laughs> I will give you. I will give you. Would tight end ten be enough to get it done for you? Yeah, I think tight end of ten would be. So if he finishes tight end ten or better. On I a win. Points per game basis, you win. Okay. Done. I'll take that. Done. He is more Gary Barnage than he is Darren Waller, and he is going to disappoint so much. Now, I might actually lose this bet, it's very possible, but I will not lose the principle, which is don't <laughs> fucking draft this guy. <laughs> All right. And then we'll finish this off here uh, uh, quickly here. Uh, I have Dallas Goddard as my tight end uh bust he is currently going ahead of logan thomas at tight end seven and this kind of goes back to my jalen hurts take earlier with my bust for quarterback um i just don't believe in this offense i know they have a new i, I get new coaching staff i don't know what it's going to look like i just as tight end seven and i get someone you're drafting earlier than logan thomas like you just said, he's going um, in the seventh round right now. I just I can't get on board with that ADP for a tight end that I don't really know what's going to happen. And I love Dallas Goddard. I love him, but he hasn't 
he hasn't shown what we all think the promise has been so far. And I know he's kind of incrementally like, you know, he's beat out Zach Ertz. Well, Zach Ertz has been injured or, you know, or Carson Wentz was having that unbelievable season where he sustained two really good tight ends at the same time. Uh, And I just, I just don't, I just don't, I just, I can't be a believer of him as much as I want to. I think he'll be disappointed. There's other tight ends that I would rather pick uh, over him in that general area that I think have a higher ceiling than he does. Can we, do you mind for the listeners running down that list really quickly of the guys who are going right behind him and yep. just a simple yes or no, straight up, no ADP factored in, who would you rather have? So let's say, let's keep the train going, yep. Logan Thomas or Dallas Goddard? Thomas. Noah Fant. Fant. Hunter Henry. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Hunter Henry this year. I'd rather actually take uh, uh, Janu. But um, that's Johnny a way big difference. Versus, and that's a huge difference. But let's even take out ADP, Janu or Dallas Goddard. I, I, I Actually, I would probably go Goddard there. I just I don't know yeah. with Cam uh, in that and offense. Throw, it's it's a it's a weird yeah. thing. But, um, you know, right There's after two that amazing tight ends. Yeah. yeah. Right after that, you've got Evan Ingram. I'm not a big believer of, but Rob Gronkowski, I might take um, okay. Tanyan. Tony and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I think there's going to be regression there as much as I love it. So this is the dead zone. Gisicki. It is. Hey, hey, we're back to your guy. Gesicki. How about him in Miami? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I mean, like you said, it's, dead zone. it is, don't it really is. This. Every fucking year Dustin, mm-hmm. it happens and we can't, we can't say it enough. It's just wait until the bitter end. Like mm-hmm. John, like you said, he's going as tight end 18. He's not going until what the hell is that round fifteen? Am I reading that right? Is he uh, round fourteen, thirteen, one fifty-six, r- end of round thirteen. Actually, it's right 13. at the turn, okay. thirteen, fourteen turn there. Yeah, wait, that's basically nearing the end of your drafts. So I'd mm-hmm. much rather wait and take Janu or fucking Ferkser mm-hmm. or Jared Cook, a prime example. We're going to talk about later on in the future episode. Like these are guys. Cole Komet, just do it. Do it, and uh, yeah, don't do this to yourself, please. All right. So we're over an hour and a half here, Jake, tonight. Uh, Sure. So we need to end this. We need to give our listeners a bit of a break here. Uh, We need to give ourselves a break. I'm not used to talking this much, let's be honest, but Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. of good info in this episode. So uh, this is probably one you should bookmark as we're getting closer to the season starting, so you can go back and revisit it if you want to. so, Jake, tell the people where they can find you here before we uh, sign off for the evening. Find me on Twitter at Jake Trowbridge. Yes, and you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. You can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy. And one more thing really quick. Be sure to go out and sign up for our listener league. Uh, we are taking applications right now through August 7th. Uh, there's still some openings available. All we ask is you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of both of those, either send it to any of those three Twitter handles you just heard, or you can send it to our Gmail account, dtffpodcast at gmail.com. Any one of those or our webpage, fill out the listener submission form. We'll take any of those. It's fine. 
Uh, but be sure to get in on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun with this redraft season. Jake and I love to do trash talking during the season. So, um, yeah, we're very excited for it. So be sure to go do that. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.